Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Friday edition of the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Bream. Eric Scopel is with me as always. And Eric, we are officially one week and one day away from game day for the Oregon Ducks. The excitement is in the air. We can feel it. And for you, the Duck fan, make sure that you get the full story of the 2020 football season by taking advantage. Today's your last day to get a VIP membership annual pass for half off, 50% off an annual membership, $53.70 one-time payment. That's $4.48 per month compared to the monthly rate of $9.95. Huge savings there. Inside scoop on the Oregon Ducks, expert analysis and opinion. Read all the content across the 24-7 Sports Network. Join a great community that's one of the biggest, one of the best communities of Oregon Duck Athletics uh, online at Duck Territory. Dot com. Uh, Eric, on today's show, we got this question earlier in the week for the mailbag, and it was so good, and we both liked it so much. We were and we were like, we need to devote an entire show to this because it's kind of right up a for your alley. You love these types of things. Oh yeah. Uh, I think it's also just a fun Friday topic. We got it. Um, I'm trying to remember who who sent it to us. I've I've got that in front of me here, real quick. So, uh, do you want me to read it? Yeah, go for it. So here was the prompt, and it was from at Robbie Parnes, who's done a good job of throwing questions our ways in the past, and, and appreciate this one, Robbie. Obviously, as we're going to devote more time to it, but he asked if you could steal one offensive and one defensive player from another school and add them to this Duck team, who would you take? And I know you can explain this in a second, Matt, we've taken this idea and we're kind of expanding it a little bit for our podcast. Yeah, we're going to do, uh, Eric and I are going to run through three names each on offense. We'll take a break. Then we'll run through three guys on defense of players from the PAC 12. We think could fit, uh, this Oregon defense or this Oregon offense and, and why it would make sense to add them if you could in theory do this. Um, and then we'll, maybe we'll dive into some other things at the end of the show, but, uh, Eric, I'll start things off here. Offensively, I, I I look at two teams that I would pluck players from to add to the Oregon roster. One, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker from USC, offensive tackle, their best offensive lineman, a guy that was going to be a you know round one or a day two type, you know second or third round type draft pick. With Penny Sewell gone. You could add a, a, a guy in Vera Tucker who has a ton of experience, is one of the better offensive linemen in the Pac-12, and shore up and give some kind of just college experience to a unit that doesn't have a lot of experience. And so that would be my first pick from a USC team that, that has one of the better linemen in the, in the Pac-12 and in the country. Oh, boy, we might have a lot of repeats here. That was uh, one of mine as well. Uh, I think you bring on Vera Tucker – um, I also have a couple other USC guys on this list, and it sounds like you might too. But, you know, if you, and that makes sense, right? And this is, I mean, Oregon and USC have the most talent in the conference. I don't think there's much question about that. Obviously, we'll have players, I think, from other schools too. I know I do. 
Um, but I look at Vera Tucker and think if you added him to this roster, he immediately becomes the team's most talented offensive lineman. Um, he played guard at USC. I don't know if he's capable of, ta- you know, in the past, but I don't know if he's capable of playing tackle. Either way, you'd be adding a, I think he was second team all-conference last year, caliber player. He's an all-conference guy. One of the few, if you actually go through and look at last year's um, all-conference team, which was one of the things I did in preparation for this, um, you'd add one of the most, he was, I think, the only, or one of two players back from last year's all-conference team um, as an offensive lineman uh, in the conference. So most of those guys have left now. Certainly one of the most highly regarded, probably offensive linemen in the conference. And I think... Oregon would love to have a guy like him. Um, I will go ahead and throw a second one at you, unless you stick with USC here, Matt. Sure. Uh, wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, I don't know if that's. I'm not. Yes. Yeah, that's another one for you. We, we did not. We did not test. Uh, we did not share our names before going on to recording this show to give you an idea. Yeah, we don't. We don't do that. We just let's just end. But it makes sense, right? I mean, you look at him. He is the uh, top returning receiver in the conference. Uh, he's a sophomore, so in theory, you've got a little bit more eligibility. 77 career or sorry 77 receptions last year 1042 yards six touchdowns um i think probably right now the odds on favorite to be one of those top guys in the conference at receiver i don't want to say he's going to be the top receiver in the conference but certainly someone who has a ton of talent you know his family um dad was i think mr universe his brothers are all big time receivers from the pac-12 the last couple of years uh osiris still plays at stanford um i just think he's a big time talent in, in oregon who I think we feel pretty good about the receiving core. Simply, he's just, I hate to say, it, he's an improvement over who the rest of the, I think he'd be probably the Oregon's number one target at wide receiver if you added him this year over a yeah. Johnny Johnson or a Micah Pittman. That was, that was my thing. Like, I, I've got real good confidence in Micah Pittman and Jalen Redd and Johnny Johnson to be really good receivers for Oregon in 2020. But I just looked at Amon Ross St. Brown and, and said, this is the guy that would be the number one and would make everybody else around him that much better. I also um, debated, though, Tyler Vaughn's or Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, yeah. Amon Ra is going to be a junior. Tyler Vaughn's is going to be a senior. Um, Amon Ra has had a better two-year start to his career, but Tyler Vaughn's is just as good, if not better, than Amon, um, you know, 900 yards receiving as a junior last year, almost 700 as a sophomore, 800 as a freshman, um, has a, has 17 total touchdowns in his three seasons. Uh, I think USC, look, the reality is they should always be in this position. But USC feels kind of like the team who always has like two receivers that could be the number one for any other team in the Pac-12. Exactly. Um, like their receiving core every year is loaded. Uh, very, very good. I mean, Drake London <laughs> it was their third leading, fourth leading receiver last year for, for the Trojans and 567 yards and five touchdowns. And, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. was their, their top guy uh, with over 1,200 yards, almost 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns. But they're just loaded at the position. And that would be one in which I, I think Amon Rod just elevates the standard even more um, for the Oregon Ducks at the receiver spot. Now, I'm going to change schools for my, for my third pick. Uh, and it's a tight end out of Utah. And typically oh, no. when we think when we think like <laughs> it's a offense, we don't think Utah, right? Like their defense, but Brant Cuthie, uh, he's a versatile guy. It sounds like you, maybe you included him too. It's a clean um, sweep, Matt. We have, we have the same three. It's a clean sweep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have the same three. <laughs> uh, but like if we look at, I, I look at the tight end spot and think, yeah. okay, maybe Brant isn't the best 
athlete, or maybe he's only 6'2", 230 pounds, and a lot of Oregon's tight ends, actually all of them, are six foot five or bigger. And a lot of them are considerably heavier than Brandt is. But Brandt is just a product. He's like one of those guys where it's just, look, he doesn't maybe have the best physical attributes, but he just gets the job done. He, he scored rushing touchdowns. He had um, receiving touchdowns. He can play all over the field. Uh, and at a position where really like, this is one of the lone position groups, Eric, we're going into, you know, the end of fall camp where I'm like, I honestly don't know who starts like it. <laughs> like every position out there for Oregon, I feel like, okay, it's either a or B like one or two, uh, or we definitively know it's this guy <laughs> like at center. It's Alex Forsyth, even though the coaches haven't come out and said that um, at tight end, you could be, well, it could be Hunter Campmoyer, but it also could be Spencer Webb, but maybe it's DJ Johnson. But what about Patrick Herbert? Oh, and Cam McCormick is now healthy. And how, is he the starting guy? Like, I don't know if there's a, a solid guy at that position right now. And I think Kahuthi could at least maybe stabilize it a little bit. Yeah, but my process in doing this was basically looking at Oregon's roster this year and, and addressing the positions I felt needed to be addressed. I think we could have picked a quarterback, but like honestly, I think Tyler Shuck's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. Agreed. Um, I, th- I mean, I, th- I think in theory you could say, oh, um, would Keaton Slovis be an improvement? Maybe just because he has some experience, but I, I, I don't know if I believe that. And obviously, um, you know, we, we saw what happened last year against Arizona State and, and know the talent that they have at quarterback, but. I, I thought, okay, quarterback, I feel pretty good about. Running back, I think Oregon's got the best running back in the conference coming back in C.J. Burdell. They don't need to address that. I looked at receiver, offensive line, and tight end. There's positions that you needed to address, and I went and basically found what I thought were the three best players on other rosters at those positions. And obviously, Matt, I don't know if this process is similar, but we came to the exact same conclusions. And again, we did not – there was no communication beforehand. In fact, I had to communicate to Matt as we jumped on here to say – was it three or four players? Were, you know, I, couldn't, I couldn't even remember. And I was like, did I do enough homework? Um, so, and if we picked four, I'm sure we would have probably had the same fourth guy knowing the way we did this today. But um, I'm with you for just going back to, to Brant, Keithy, a lot of the same things. I think tight end really is, it's kind of remarkable. We're, we're now, you know, we're recording this almost a week out from the season opener. And I think the, the two of us are probably as dialed in as anybody covering this team in terms of like, okay, What's the depth chart look like at this position or that position? We, you know, we put up our predicted depth charts on the site. You can go check those out. I know those are fun to look at. Um, tight end's really the one where it's like you could put like four or five oars in there, it feels mm-hmm. like. I, I really don't have a great feel for it. And if you had a player like Keithy on the roster, who was a, a second-team all-conference guy a year ago, um, I think you'd have a really good – you'd have a clear-cut idea of who that would be at least. And um, especially as a pass catcher, and you talked about the versatility, how they utilized him at Utah – um, somebody who really came on last year at the end of the season was really a big part of their late season success. So um, I don't, I think I look at the tight end group not to go down the, not to go too far off on a tangent here, but I, I look at the tight end group like, okay, they're going to be okay. I'm not like super worried. I don't think they're going to stink. I, mean, I, I think you'll get good production from that group. And I think you've got uh, a nice combination of different skill sets and you'll have the versatility to have, you know, based upon certain personnel packages to bring out a couple of bigger guys to block and bring out other guys for, you know, uh, when, when you need them to maybe be a little bit more involved in the passing game. But I, I also don't have like a, this could be, you could have an all conference first team guy on the roster. Um, like I, I would honestly probably be really surprised if one of Oregon's tight end up, end up being that kind of guy this year. Whereas Keithy is probably the favorite right now entering uh, the 2020 season to be that in the Pac-12 uh, as the top tight end. Yeah, I had to submit 
all conference um, picks, preseason all conference picks for the Pac-12 this week. And Kahuthi was the guy I picked for number one at tight end. Um, I included uh, at receiver for the Trojans, I included Amon Ross St. Brown and Tyler Vaughns um, as two of the multiple first team all receivers. I had Johnny Johnson as the third, but I don't think I view Johnny over as a better player than Amon Ross St. Brown or, or, or Tyler Vaughns. Um, I'm yeah. with you like good, good points on the quarterback position. Like, cause naturally you think, Oh, well, like Jaden Daniels and Keaton Slovis uh, two those are the two guys I voted for, for all conference at, at QB. Like who wouldn't take those guys? Like, of course everyone would, but I, I think the, the, you know, the, the level of improvement you would get by taking those two guys over Shuck wouldn't be the same, wouldn't come close as the three guys that we named um, in, in that it just would elevate the standard so much more across the board for the Ducks at, at multiple positions. Whereas at, at, at the quarterback spot, like, look, we're either going to look like complete idiots and, <laughs> <I know>. and, <laughs> and Shuck is not the answer for the Ducks at quarterback, or we're going to be completely right. And our beliefs that, you know, like, Shuck is going to be a dude. Um, I think you've said it before. I, I went on Cyrus XM's radio show today or yesterday talking about uh, with Mike Yam um, and we were talking Oregon football and they asked me about Tyler Shuck and just, you know, could he have a better year than Justin Herbert did last year? And I, I said, yeah, like statistically he could have a better season than Herbert did from a per game perspective but I don't know if that necessarily men means that he's better than Herbert. Like, I don't know if I would go that far, but from a statistical standpoint, I think we could see just a, a more explosive offense because of who they have at coordinator and who they have at quarterback and, and how they're going to use the quarterback position. Like if Herbert was still here, uh, I would be saying his numbers are, would, would go through the roof. Yeah. And I'll put it this way. And I guess I'll pose this back to you. Um, we know Keaton Slovis, Jaden Daniels, you voted for those two guys as your all conference quarterbacks. I, I, I would be in agreement based upon what you have returning. Those are the two guys, but like, I don't think either of us are going to be stunned if Tyler Shuck is on a first or second team all conference this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I mean, and I don't want to put that expectation that he's going to be the best quarterback in the conference when he steps on the field against Stanford. Um, and he's just going to be undoubtedly the best guy. Cause I, I think there's some really good talent at quarterback in this conference this year. I know, mm-hmm. Um, the Pac-12 North replaces basically every quarterback, um, aside from Chase Garbers at, at Cal. But like they, they all have to basically have a new starter this year. But I, I think Shuck has a ton of talent, and I really do think. And I know Matt's right. Like we put our necks out here, and if he's if, if Tyler Shuck doesn't end up looking very good this season, that's that's probably not. We're not going to look very good for that. But I, I really do have a lot of belief in his talents and his skill set and kind of what his capabilities are um, this season. And, and to me, I really didn't even consider picking another quarterback i mean i think it was a logical one it like dawned on me like well it could be these guys but i also think these are three quarterbacks who are all roughly the same age and and i think shucks a year older but i'm not going to be stunned if he he doesn't have you know i'm not gonna be stunned if he has a great season this year and we're talking about him next offseason as you know one of the front runners to be you know a a pac-12 offensive player of the year or certainly one of the top quarterbacks in the conference all right let's take a quick break when we come back we'll look through the defensive side of the football and Kind of give our takes on on what stands there. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back to the Autzen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prame, Eric Scopel with me. We're talking Oregon football 2020, uh, getting ready to look at a season play out for the Ducks. You know, Stanford is about 10 days away, a little less than that. And we were posed the question, like, what positions could Oregon, if you were allowed to pluck a player from someone else in the conference, what holes would you fill for this defense or for this offense? And we just ran through the, you know, the offensive guys. Defensively, um, I'm kind of curious if we have the same names. <laughs> we might, um, we might. We might. I know for sure we have one. I'm very confident in the fact that we have one, uh, one guy that's the same. I'll start with this guy, and he plays up north for the Washington Huskies. He's got ties to the Oregon program. He's Elijah Molden, cornerback um, yep. for Washington out of West Lynn. And normally, like, I wouldn't make this pick, but Oregon's going to be playing, you know, a, a new starter. Well, it's, it's Michael, right? We both think highly of Michael. We think he's a dude. We think he's a fir- you know, future draft pick. Um, but I would much rather take the surefire thing in Elijah Molden who has starts to his name, who has all conference, who has the eyes of the NFL on him. And the NFL is watching Michael too, but I would much rather have Michael be my number three, Elijah be my number two and go in thinking, wow, we've, we've got an insanely deep and loaded secondary again. I had a hard time like thinking of three possessions positions to address, to be honest with you. And, and Molden was one I do. I also have Elijah Molden. I should say that. Um, and I, I wrote in parentheses here, like, I don't know if it's like a huge position of need because I think we both feel great about Mikhail Wright. But there is also just that veteran element here of Wright has never been a starting cornerback. I think we both think he's going to be fine. I have really don't, I don't have a ton of concerns at all about his play. Um, but Molden has been an all-conference guy. He has ties to Oregon. His, you know, his dad played at Oregon. Um, he's been a great player at Washington. And... Um, I think his addition would be welcomed and you would see him as being, you know, it would be interesting to rerun the clocks and, and consider what this secondary might look like with him on the roster the last couple of years, as I think somebody would have challenged Thomas Graham and Diamade Lenore to start. Right. I mean, I think those would have been really interesting position battles to track instead. It was kind of, you know, once Arian Springs uh, graduated and after 2017, it was basically, oh, it's going to be Graham and Lenore until those guys graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, you would have had a little bit of a, a different angle and a different element and dynamic, I think, in terms of position battles had um, had more, if more than had been on the roster with those guys. Um, a second player here I, I used in the secondary, and this was, again, not a huge position of need for me, but I'm just thinking I'm taking a player who 
has ties to the Pacific Northwest. Best Oregon, player available. And a best player available. And that's Talanoa Hafunga. Yep. Um, you have him too? <laughs> I wasn't sure if you would have Molden. I knew you would have Talanoa Hafunga, but I wasn't sure if you'd have Molden. Yeah. Well, I think we might. this might be another clean sweep because the third guy might be obvious too. But I think um, Hafunga really quick before I throw it back to you. Um, a player that I think, gosh, you watch him play. He is so much fun to watch. I still remember watching him uh, in high school up in the Corvallis area um, before he picked USC and left the state. And just being like, he does whoa, stuff whoa. that is just incredible. I mean, really. I mean, if you didn't get a chance to, if, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how many Oregon fans really went out. And I think he played, played at Crescent Valley, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, that's not like a typically a football hotbed, but like, boy, was he just an absolute dude out there. I remember he, there was a play where he literally like leapt, like jumped over a, a, a blocker to sack the quarterback. I think they might've called a penalty because you're not allowed to jump over guys. And it was just like, what, how does he do this sort of stuff? And you've seen him kind of have an up and down career at USC, but it's just because of injuries. Um, when he's healthy, I, and he was all conference second team this last year. And I think he only played nine games. Um, when he's healthy, he's undoubtedly one of the best players in this, in the conference in the secondary. And again, I don't look at the secondary and think like, gosh, they really need to address a bunch of positions, but, um, he would certainly challenge and probably would be starting or in position to be starting right now over Nick Pickett at that boundary safety. Um, super talented dude, a guy who's going to, I think, have a long NFL career. I, I, I think with you, like they don't necessarily have a need here. I mean, yes, he's probably better. He is better than a, than a picket. Um, he's different from a safety perspective, from a positional standpoint, than Verone, but oh, he might be a perfect nickel. I was just thinking he might be really good at nickel. That might be a perfect fit for Talanoa. Yeah. I mean, I, I was going to say he would be better than Pickett, but like it's like, it goes back to kind of like the quarterback thing. Like the level of improvement would be better. Yes. But you know, the, the margin isn't as wide as it could be from another perspective, from another positional perspective. But I look at this and think he's just one of the best players in the conference, regardless. Exactly. Like, it doesn't really matter um, what you have. He's just one of the better conference players. And I almost look at him kind of like Nickel might be right, but like you might be onto something there. Um, I was looking at it as this is a guy that you could play like as like a Rover type where he's like a hybrid linebacker and safety. Um, very, very similar to what Oregon's defense did way back when with Eddie Pleasant. Because remember, Eddie was a safety starting out. And then they brought him up to play linebacker. And I, I think Kafunga is just a missile. Like the dude just destroys guys. And he'd be undersized, but nonetheless, like maybe he's maybe he could help fill in some of the gaps at, at, at linebacker for Oregon if there are any. Um, and that kind of yeah. just segues to my guy. And this is I don't think you have this guy. I I, okay. I went off the beaten path here a little bit. Okay. Um, Maybe I did. Maybe we're similar, though. Uh, Nate Landman from Colorado. Oh, we're, we're, we have a difference. Yes. No, I consider <laughs> – actually, I, and, and Matt, I actually considered Nate for a second, too. He was, it was him or this other guy. I, I, I also have a linebacker, so go ahead. I, I went between a couple of guys, uh, Drake Jackson at USC, but then I was just kind of like, well, like he's playing outside linebacker now. He played DN for the Trojans last year. If he's a DN at Oregon, they have KT. If they have – uh, they move him to outside linebacker. They've got Mace and Adrian Jackson. Pretty confident in those guys. Um, I, I thought a little bit about 
Hamakar Rashid um, from Oregon State, but he's more outside than he is inside. And I think Oregon's, you know, totally fine at the outside spots. So I, I, I landed with Nate Landman from Colorado. He's an inside linebacker. Um, he's earned various levels of All-American, All-Pac-12 honors the last two seasons. Um, he has played in 35 career games, 24 career starts, 277 career tackles, 25 tackles for loss, plus six sacks, and another additional 20 tackles for no gain or loss. Uh, or no gain, excuse me. Um, 33 third down stops, 12 pass breakups, just a guy that's just accumulated a ton of stats and maybe isn't the, the most talented individual in the conference. But when you have a, a position battle right now at, at the Mike Lightbanker spot in which your options are a true freshman five-star and yes, Noah Sewell should be a dude. He, he sounds like he's really good, but he's still a true freshman. Yeah. Or your other option is a senior that played in seven games in his first year at Oregon in 2019. Like, I think they're going to be fine at, at middle linebacker. I, I like the options that they have, but if you could tell me today, Hey, we can plug in a guy that's proven that's productive. He maybe doesn't have as high of a ceiling as a Noah Sewell, but his floor is tremendously high. I would take Nate Landeman and then see what happens with, you know, the guys behind him if they elevate and take the spot from him. I was. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie, Matt. We were really close to having a, a consensus six players because I almost went there. But I, you mentioned his name earlier. I went with Hamaclar Rashad at Washington or Oregon State. Sorry, um, led the conference in tackles for loss last year. Led the conference in sacks last year. It's an outside linebacker. You'd probably play him at. He would probably be starting over a Mace Funet stud. Um, really productive player, explosive off the edge, and, and I think. You know, we've talked a little bit about concern about outside of Thibodeau, where does the pass rush come from? Right. And he would certainly be a player you would bring in and be like, okay, he's a known commodity as a pass rusher. I don't know how much else he's going to help. Um, you know, you look at his stats, he wasn't super productive outside of, you know, making tackles behind the limit, line of scrimmage, whether it would be um, a quarterback or a ball carrier as a runner, you know, in terms of tackles for loss. But you'd be getting a known commodity and a big explosive guy off the edge there. And I think Mesfuno is going to be fantastic again I'm, this was a best play you know defense was as i said when we started this segment it's kind of hard because i'm trying to address what positions really need to be addressed and i was like i think every position they're pretty set um so this was another one of those kind of like best positions available um i i think he would be somebody that you need to have a veteran at that spot somebody who's been very productive and um quite frankly he'd be taking the best player on oregon state's defense off their defense and i know we haven't really been talking about it from that perspective but if you were thinking about it from like a a net, a net success, you'd really be hurting Oregon State and you'd really be helping um, Oregon. So I landed there, even though I almost went Landman as well. Um, Drake Jackson was a third person I also considered. Um, but, but I think like we talked about earlier about, uh, you know, kind of the net improvement. I don't know if he's that much better than an Austin Folio because Folio's got a bunch of starting experience. And that's probably the spot he'd be starting at. Whereas Rashad uh, Jr. Is, is coming at a spot where Funa at least has no starting experience to date. I think the defense, um, we look at this and think like I had a different, I had a real hard time, like looking at the offense yeah. compared to the defense. Um, I was, I immediately knew like offensively what positions to go and, and find the best players at like immediately we just knew. Um, and that's not to say that like Oregon has these, these massive concerns on the offensive side of the football. I think that just sure. more says that 
Oregon's defensive side has so much entrenched experienced talent that you're confident no matter who they play, they have the pieces in place to go out and dominate. No, and, and I, we had we shared the exact experience of, of this exercise where it was very easy for me to pick the offensive positions to address and then find the best players at those positions. Like you, I had a pretty hard time kind of trying to address even what positions. I, I, I thought corner felt like the most logical to me um, just because there is a lack of experience there. But the rest of it, I mean, I feel really good. Um, you look at this defense, and I, I think there's not a whole lot of places I'm super concerned about. I, um, you know, and we'll see kind of what I, I'm, and I'll be curious to see how my opinion of that changes after the first game or the first couple of games. If, if there are players that we thought maybe really highly of that we now kind of are second guessing or, or vice versa, maybe we are over concerned about certain spots where we shouldn't. I know we've talked about the pass rush. We might, it might be a deal where we feel really, really good after the first couple of games. Cause there's just a bunch of guys that we weren't necessarily expecting to step up that have. So um, I think it's a really fun thought exercise, really, you know, I mean, just in terms of like, how, how would we improve this team? And then I, I think from a listener perspective, I hope you at least kind of learn some of the best players around the conference. You know, if you haven't done a deep dive into, you know, the, the teams on Oregon schedule and, and the teams that they might play in the Pac-12 conference championship game or whatever that crossover game is, the second one, um, I, I think you at least learned six, six to seven names now that, that you maybe weren't as familiar with that, that hopefully gives you a little bit more uh, interest when you're watching these games. What does, does this kind of like solidify to you? Like maybe for me, like I was looking at the defense and it just kind of solidified everything I knew or felt about the defense and the depth and the talent they have on, on the roster. And that like, yes, I, I'm adding three really good players, but it, it feels like this group is established and that they're in a position now where it's, it's finding the depth behind the starters because I look at the secondary and, and think, yes, I, I picked two guys that could play in the secondary, but it literally took me to, to go out and say like, I need the best cornerback. I need the best safety to add to the defense because Oregon has like the second best corner or the second best safety uh, in the conference. Like that's what it would take to, to add a, you know, a piece and a, a new player to start. Like I look at the, the secondary and the defense as a whole and think, even though there are some departures, they're still the best in the conference. And I don't think it's, it's going to be, you know, really, you know, there's not really going to be a major challenger, maybe one. I mean, the, the fact that it was hard for us to pick three players off of what over a hundred starters on other conference teams, defenses. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty telling. I mean, this defense is loaded and I will be very curious to see, what players around the conference maybe surprise us. I, I'm sure there's going to be a couple of guys that we didn't mention defensively that, that are going to be on, on the first team conference defense that are maybe going to challenge for, you know, defensive player of the year. Did you have to vote by the way on defensive player of the year? Like, did, or I, I don't no, know. No, no defensive player of the year awards. It was just positional okay. first and second team for, for those position groups. Cause I'm kind of struggling here to think of like, who the candidates really are outside of the three we mentioned, plus a Kayvon Thibodeau, maybe a Diamond Lenore because of his experience. And um, gosh, I, I don't even know. I I, I don't know. That's going to be an interesting position to follow or award to follow this year, I think, because obviously Evan Weaver was the runaway winner last year from Cal linebacker. I think maybe led the nation in tackles. Um, this year doesn't quite feel like there's that clear cut of a guy. Yeah. Like I, I, maybe it's, 
Hamilcar Rashid. Um, I mean, Drake is Drake, you know, Drake Jackson, excuse me, Drake Jackson from USC, um, Talanoa from USC. I, I think Oregon's got some guys on the, on, on defense that could win this award for defensive player of the year. I mean, I, what happens if KT comes out and gets like eight sacks in seven games? Um, what happens sure. if, uh, you know, teams pick on Lenore or pick on Wright and one of those guys just, you know, gets multiple interceptions, you know, in a couple of games and walks with four or five picks. Um, I, I, I think Oregon's got some candidates. Um, I mean, let's, let's, let's end it here on this show. Like, do you feel like there's a guy on this team where you can say like, he's going to be in the top five race for offense or defensive player of the year? Yeah, I think Kayvon Thibodeau is certainly in the discussion on defense. I don't think there's much question with that. Um, I'd probably include Diomede Lenore. I know corners never win those awards though, but I think he's undoubtedly one of the more experienced players in this conference. Um, and then I, I think offensively I'd include CJ Verdell. And I, I actually think he's probably one of the front runners along with those quarterbacks. And I'd probably include Tyler Shuck, honestly. Like if I was going to pick two guys from Oregon's offense and two guys from Oregon's defense, I would say I'd take Tyler Shuck and CJ Verdell as the most likely candidates offensively and, and Kayvon Thibodeau and Diomede Lenore on defense. Do you agree or, or do you have another name on, I think on defense, you have a couple other options. I would do KT defensively. Um, part of me wonders about Isaac. Maybe Isaac gets that job um, or gets that into that discussion. Um, Isaac Slade, Mato Atia. Um, I think Noah Sewell could be in line to be freshman of the year in the sec for, you know, for the PAC 12, I don't know if he will win the award outright offensively. I, I gravitate towards CJ Verdell. Um, I just think, I think that's, and honestly, that might be the most likely of all the candidates, either a quarterback from another school or Tyler Shuck, um, for Morgan or maybe Verdell, like, cause I think Oregon's going to lean on Verdell and the run game in particular heavily early on. And we could see, we could, if Verdell comes out and has a couple games where he has multiple touchdowns, goes over a hundred yards, like his star power is going to thrust up into the stratosphere. Um, I, 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 I think Shuck, but I think Verdell probably has a better chance just because of how much they could be leaning on him this year. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think, I actually think Verdell probably is the front runner. I know um, when two four seven sports, our national uh, writers did some sort of, they, 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 they preview of, I think it was before the, the fall camp sometime in early October. Um, he was the pick. And so there's certainly that kind of buzz around him. And boy, if you, if you haven't gone and read some of the comments or, or watched the video of Jim Mastro, Oregon running backs coach talking about CJ Verdell, go check those out, man. He speaks very, very highly of him. He says he's the best running back in the pac 12 might be the best in the conference or sorry, in the country. Um, and, and <laughs> really just raves about him. Unlike you used to hearing Oregon. I mean, I, and I shouldn't say unlike we're used to hearing Oregon coaches talk about players, but I found it pretty interesting how, how much master was willing to say and how much he raved about the running back. It's going to do it for us here on the Austin audibles podcast for Eric Scopel. I'm Matt Prem. We'll talk to you later. Talk to you later, folks. This is Tony Kornheiser show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.